Good evening. If you are watching this after Tuesday, uh, that means we've got about a five-minute wait until class starts, so please skip ahead. Um, hi, Linda. How are you tonight? You're the first one. Good. Glad you're with us tonight. What a beautiful day it was, right? Um, another nice, nice day. It's been awful nice lately. Hi, Melissa. How are you? I'm just realizing I didn't confirm uh, times here. Um, I'm going to write a note, make sure I do that after. Oh, nice. Where do you go for that, Melissa? My kids really like that too. Um, where do you, do you go someplace local, I assume? Foxbrook. I don't know if I know where that is. Do you guys have paddle boards or, or do you rent when you go? Um, it's kind of a neat thing. My kids have done that a couple times and really seem to enjoy it. Oh, Brookfield. Okay, nice. Well, glad you had it. It was a beautiful day for it. Um, who else we got out there tonight? We got Liz, we got Linda, we got Melissa. Who else is out there? Very good, very good. We are going to be picking it up in Proverbs chapter 6 through 10. So please have your Bibles ready, your worksheets ready. We're going to give it our usual uh, four minutes or five minutes or so just to let everybody find us. Um, so just hang in there. I see we're finding, or a few more people are finding us, so. Um, well, whatever you did this week, Linda, it worked. Um, I, I'm i impressed because I wouldn't know mo more than one way to, to get online, so uh, glad, you're, glad you're here tonight. Looks like we got 10 or so out there. Who else we got tonight? Glenn and Jane and Jean and Joan are all here. Good evening to the four of you. Uh, glad you're with us tonight. No Brewer game tonight, Glenn. Glad you're with us tonight. Brewers are not exactly uh, tearing it up here lately. Hi, Marge. Good evening and welcome. Glad you're here tonight. Uh, like everybody else, hope you had a good day. Sounds like so far... So good. It's that time of year again. School registrations are happening and uh, going to be going to be starting classes really soon. Hard to imagine. Hi, Joanne. Well, glad you're here either way. Um, glad uh, glad to have you with us tonight. Jane says Glenn went yesterday. <laughs> well, glad he's home tonight. They are and. Uh, I don't know. Not looking so good here. Yeah, the whole Kufal clan. Good to see them all here. Gonna give it a few more minutes. So just hang on, and uh, we'll be we'll be ready to go. Going to be starting in Proverbs chapter six. You had the worksheet ahead of time, so um, Joel is here. Hello, Joel. Glad you're with us tonight as well. Um, as we 
maybe wait for everybody to log on. I, I think um, I'm going to hopefully next week email out to everybody a schedule for the fall. Um, I'm going to have one, potentially two kids in high school athletics this fall and, and would like to get to events. And some of them are going to be on Tuesday night. So there may be a Tuesday once in a while where I'm not available. So I'll get that schedule out, hopefully in the email next week. Um, I know the next week or two yet we're okay. So uh, just be be aware, be watching for that in your email. Um, we'll, we'll plan to go straight through the fall here, but there just might be one or two nights where uh, where we'll need to, need to have off. Hi, Pam. Good evening. Welcome. We're going to give it two more minutes here, and then we'll start. So I uh, hope everybody's ready to go. Um, she'll find out tonight, Joanne. Uh, Micah's running cross country, and then uh, Grace will find out tonight about volleyball. So we'll see. We'll see. Everybody else out there uh, ready for the the normal routine of the school year again? Um, it's coming whether we're ready or not, but uh, I think for a lot of parents out there anyway, that anyway, this is the time of year where they're getting a, a little excited to send the kiddos back, back to school. Um, at least that's what I've been hearing here the last couple of Sundays. So, all right, another minute here and then we'll get going. Looks like we got most of the normal crew tonight, uh, maybe missing one or two yet. So we'll give them another half a minute here and then we'll, we'll get going. Yeah, Jane, I heard about that. Um, it's weird because we had somebody upstairs running the equipment. Um, somehow it didn't take, it didn't make its way to, to YouTube, but I'm not sure. I, I let Nick know or he's aware and, and I don't know. They can maybe figure out what happened there. Um, it wasn't for lack of trying. We had somebody up there in the, in the booth, so... All right, uh, Ron and Joan are here. Joe and Marlene are here just in time. Um, we're going to get going here, and we will uh, say a prayer, and then we'll be ready to go. All right, uh, let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we're so thankful uh, for this group, this time together to study your word. Uh, as we hit Proverbs again tonight, Lord, we ask for your wisdom. We ask that you fill us with your wisdom uh, through the word and help us to grow in our faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. All right. So let's get underway here. Chapter six. Uh, so chapter six, wisdom is going to warn us against folly, right? Which is really the lack of wisdom. Um, and, the first six verses just kind of talk about be careful uh, what you commit to, right? Don't get yourself um, trapped in an arrangement or an agreement that you can't get out of. But our first question uh, points you to verses six through eight. Uh, it tells us to look at the ant and to consider its ways and to be wise. Phil jumps in just, just on time here tonight. Hi, Phil. Phil's got question number one posted there for you. Uh, what wisdom can we learn from the ant as you take a look at verses six through eight? Bob, good evening and welcome. Glad you're with us there. Uh, 
Glad you're here tonight. We're, we're looking at Proverbs chapter six, right above you there, uh, Bob, Phil posted the first question. Um, so that helps, helps us move along here. So taking a look at verses six through eight, uh, what wisdom can we learn from the ant? Jane says, work hard while you can and store up for the future. Okay, so so save it up, right? Work hard and save. Uh, Ron and Jones say plans ahead, stores up provisions in advance. Okay, so we, so he's a he's a hard worker, um, and he stores away. So he um, he's careful, perhaps, about consuming things too quickly. Um, also, maybe you look at that those couple of verses there, um, and that's what I was just going to say, Melissa. Nobody makes them work hard, right? Nobody tells them what to do. Uh, nobody drives them along or has to tell them to get to work. Um, so Solomon here is kind of telling us we, we ought to be self-motivated, right? We ought to be um, willing on our own to work hard and to be wise and to be smart and to um, to be industrious, as Joanne says. Um, whatever it is that you do, to, to work hard at it and then to be smart with with the things that you have as a result. Um, and, and I think I would just add here, this scripture, by the way, does not promote workaholism. Um, and that's not the point of these verses either. Um, yes, work hard, be smart, save up. Um, but nowhere in the Bible are you going to see a, anything that would advocate for workaholism. And, and you know what I mean when I say that? Where it's all work and then you don't have time for the other vocations that God has given you. Um, so want to balance there, want to balance. but. But definitely the point here is, is be a hard worker, show some initiative, uh, some self-motivation, work independently, right? Um, you don't have to have somebody uh, telling you what to do. All right, uh, good stuff. Let's jump down. Uh, you skip a couple of <laughs> – yes, they do, Jane. <laughs> yes, they do. Um, that's, that's funny. Uh, Melissa says, yes, like – Yes, or like Protestant work ethic sometimes go too far and doesn't value rest enough. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, just balance, right? For Lutherans, we, we tend to find the middle, and um, this that would be the case here too. Don't go too far one way or the other. Um, work ethic is good, but let's not take that further than, than is intended. All right, uh, question two jumps us down a little bit here to Verses 16 through 19, uh, things that the Lord hates, seven things that are de detestable to him. Doesn't, doesn't use that word very often, but as Phil uh, posts the question there, are you surprised about the sins that make his list there um, compared to some of the things that don't make the list? Uh, what do you think as you look at that list? Are you surprised by what's not there or are you surprised by what is there? Um, what are your what's your take on this? Saran so and Joan get us going. They say haughty eyes are surprising. It's not as blatant, perhaps, as murder, right? So yeah, and I, I think maybe the reason that's there, Joanne, is it the haughty eyes might demonstrate uh, a problem with the attitude, right? Or the thoughts behind it. Um, but I, I would agree with that. It may be surprising to be the first one there. 
Um, now the murder does come up there, right? Hands that shed innocent blood. Um, anybody else? Any other tank here? Um, yeah, they absolutely do indicate pride. And uh, scripture has a lot to say about the sins of pride um, and the temptations there. So um, I can't argue with it being on the list, right? But maybe a little bit surprising that it, that it's the first one. Yeah, and Jane, I think that's a, that's a good takeaway. You know, I, I think a lot of us as a society, we're, we're rightfully, you know, we condemn some of the action, but the thoughts and the words tend to go unnoticed or be downplayed. And um, you look at Solomon's list here and, and there's thought and there's word um, that are included here. Joel's got another take here. The greatest of these is love, and there doesn't seem to be any love here in these verses. Yeah, this is not love for neighbor, is it? Uh, this is the opposite of love for neighbor. Um, if you love your neighbor, you're not going to have haughty eyes or a lying tongue toward him. You're not going to want to shed his blood or, or rush into evil. So um, good, good take there, Joel. It's really the opposite of what God calls us to, to do. Um, Melissa says, this list seems to cover a lot of very common things that we maybe turned a blind eye to because they happen so often. Yeah, I think that's a good observation as well, um, especially the, the things that come out of our mouths, the lying tongue, the false witness there, um, the haughty eyes, all those things, um, they're so common and we do downplay them as no big deal. Um, Bob says that the lying tongue... Um, yeah, and I, I think the more we're surrounded by social media and screen time and all things like that, we, we are used to people lying, aren't we? Um, whether it's politicians or entertainers or athletes, um, we are used to being lied to. And so uh, it's pretty easy to downplay that one as a big deal at this point as well. Anybody else? Uh, verses 16 through 19, the, the list there. Some good observations there. Uh, thanks for, for sharing. Um, so the next section here, and Solomon, he hits the sins of adultery pretty hard in Proverbs and certainly timely and applicable to our society. Um, certainly something that he had some personal experience with uh, in his life too. So I, I would just say we need to, apply these to our own lives and our own society. Um, as we get going here, uh, Phil's got question three. What does Solomon want us to do with his words of instruction? Um, so he's kind of given the intro here in verses 20 to 23, and then he'll jump into uh, the sins of adultery. So what does Solomon want us to do with his words of instruction in Proverbs, verses 20 to 23? And we talked about this last time in, in perhaps a little bit different context. Um, but what does he want us to do here? And he says it in a couple of ways. And one thing that's neat about Proverbs, um, he, he, he makes a point and then he'll restate it in a little bit different way um, just to kind of reinforce. It's kind of a neat literary device that we see throughout Proverbs. And he does that here. Um, so Jane and Melissa talk about keeping them in your heart. Uh, keep, bind, keep them in there forever. Make it stick, uh, Melissa says. Pam says, memorizing them. Yeah, uh, how do you do that, right? You, you need to be in it regularly. And I think last week 
I just commented, I, I, I'm not in Proverbs enough. And um, we would do well to have this book in our regular regular rotation. Uh, any other thoughts here on what does he want us to do? Um, Joanne says, pay attention to them. Okay, so pay attention to them, learn them, um, carry them out, right? Carry them out. Um, Yeah, so that's a good question, Phil. Yeah, so you'll see, uh, they call them phylacteries, right? You'll see, um, and it's not just from this chapter. There's, there's other Old Testament chapters that talk about that. So they'll have um, they'll have phylacteries at different parts, at different places on their attire where they'll tuck Bible passages in there. Um, and, and God's point, Solomon's point here certainly isn't, not that you can't write it on a post-it note and slap it on, on your mirror, but his point is to internalize these things, right? His point is to learn them inwardly, uh, digest them, take them to heart, store them in heart and mind, right? That's his point. Um, the danger, of course, in just writing them down and posting them somewhere is that we never think about them. Um, I found that over the years, you know, if I write down a passage and put it somewhere visible, first couple of days, it strikes me, but eventually you get used to where it is and you don't even think about it anymore. Um, yeah, I don't know, Ron and Joan, if, I mean, I'm sure that it does originate in, in Orthodox Jew, Judaism, but it, it sure could be uh, in the Catholic faith as well. And, and finally, I mean, there are so many, it's in the Lutheran faith too, right? I mean, we have uh, little things like this with passages on them that we keep. Uh, we have little bookmarks with passages on them, right? We, we have similar things in our lives. Um, if you'd go in my house in the living room, there, there'd be a, there's a picture with some Bible passages on it. We do similar things. Um, but again, all that outward stuff is okay, but it's not really the point. He wants us to take it in, uh, inwardly. Anybody else on that? So then you get into 24 and he really... He's blunt, right? And he just talks about the perils, the dangers um, of adultery. And and I, he doesn't mince words here, right? So uh, a lot that could be said. The question number four says, how does Solomon compare and contrast stealing with adultery? You might not necessarily make that connection right away, but um, I think Solomon's onto something there. What... How does he compare and contrast those two sins? Any thoughts on that? How does he compare and contrast those two sins? And it, it some of the imagery he uses, uses here pretty striking. He talks about, um, where'd that go? Playing with fire, right? Scooping coals into your lap. Um, just kind of a striking picture. Um, so Marge says they're both going to be punished. Okay. Yeah. So they're both, they both make us guilty, right? They both, um, incur guilt and, and deserve punishment. 
Ah, Jane. So that's uh so that elevates one over the other in a sense, doesn't it? Um, if you steal, perhaps uh, you can make right. Verse thirty-one. Um, so he can pay it back. It's going to cost him. Um, but thirty-three, his shame will never be wiped away. You can't live that down. That does not go away, right? Um, so that, in a sense, elevates it a bit. Yeah, Melissa, that that's uh so there's a certain level there of understanding, right? One versus the other. Um to a degree, I think we would all sympathize with the starving guy who steals some bread. To a degree, I think we would all sympathize with that. Uh, but to a man who commits adultery, I, I don't know that any of us would sympathize, right? There's a difference there. Um and certainly the the husband is never going to never going to understand or be okay with it. All right, anybody else uh, any comments there on that section or that question? Anything from chapter 6? Give you a minute to ask. I'll, I'm going to turn over here to Proverbs 7 and we'll get ready for that. But anybody else comment question chapter 6? All right, so we jump into chapter 7, and he continues the theme here um, on adultery. And, and it's a warning against the adulterous woman. So he, he's speaking to his son, but but certainly to God's people of all time. Uh, warning against the adulterous woman. Um, well, I'm going to come back to ask the question, why is it addressed that way? But let's, let's dig into our questions, and then I'll, I'll hit that one at the end of the chapter. So in chapter 6, Solomon used various pictures to describe how closely we should bind wisdom to ourselves. Um, what additional picture does he use in chapter 7, verses 1 through 5? And how does this help you understand the value of the book of Proverbs? So, so again, he, he's going to kind of hit similar points and say it in a little bit different way here. Um, what image... Uh, what additional picture does he the pictures does he use here uh, that he maybe didn't use last chapter? What what struck you in those first five verses? Is there one in particular there that um, that stuck out to you? Hi, Judy. Good evening. So Judy says, write them on the tablet of your heart, okay? Um, the tablet he meant was not the iPad that most of you have, right? He had a different kind of tablet in mind. But the principle is the same, right? It, you are inscribing it, keeping it in there permanently. So that I think that's a, a striking picture. Um, what else? What, what else maybe sticks out to you here, verses 1 through 5? Yeah, Melissa, that one struck me too. You are my sister. You are my relative. There ought to be a close relationship. We ought to be familiar with wisdom. Uh, wisdom shouldn't be this distant cousin that I meet maybe once in my life, right? Wisdom shouldn't be this thing that I never hear from until 20 years later. Um, ought to be close association. 
Yeah, Jane and Marge are on the same wavelength there to guard them as the apple of my eye. That's a, a neat picture too, right? The that's what we value most, the, th the, the thing of value for us, uh, to guard them um, and keep them as, as the apple of our eye. We are the apple of God's eye, right? We sing a hymn about that, and God encourages us to keep his wisdom as the apple of our eye. Good. Striking pictures here. Um, let's take a look at number two. Phil says to store up my commands within you, verse one. And Phil says he's thankful for memory work. Um, I'm always, I have a, I don't, I don't know how to say it. Um, an interesting perspective, I think, on memory work. Um, I see it on one end with the seventh and eighth graders who absolutely don't want to do it. And if they don't go to private school, they don't know how to do it. Um, but then at the other end of the spectrum, when I'm in the nursing home or the hospital room, and they and the individual knows by heart the creed, the Lord's Prayer, and so many passages and hymns, I see the value of, of memory work. I see the value of what Solomon is saying here. Um, so it's hard work. It takes time, but it, but it is uh, blessed work as well. Uh, Joanne says a sister would be protected. Aha, you are correct. And as I watch... Two brothers keep an eye on younger sister. That resonates with me. That's a good picture. Um, we want to keep wisdom close by. Um, Judy says it should be a, a way of life, a reminder of what's right. Good. Good pictures here. A lot of good sermon illustrations that I think would serve well in these verses. I don't think I've preached on Proverbs too often. It doesn't show up in the uh, lectionary very much. All right, let's go to question two. Question two. Uh, once again, Solomon moves from the value of wisdom to its ability to keep us from sexual immorality. He presents a detailed and vivid description how, of how a young man who did not listen to the teachings of his parents became trapped by an adulterous woman and the tragic results. What value is there in such a vivid picture? So Phil's got the question there. I know it's a long one, so Phil's got it coming here. Uh, as you read and watch verses 5 through really just about the end of the chapter here, um, what is the value of such a vivid picture or example that Solomon gives? So right away, Melissa says it helps you remember it. Okay. Yeah, any good image or illustration will do that, right? Um so for sure, I agree with you there. Judy says it seems like an eyewitness report. Yeah, it's, it, you're right. It's written like somebody who was there to see it or experience it or witness it for sure. Um, I, I think, is it also easy? Uh, so Jane says it's to show how tempting this sin is, but how devastating it can be. Absolutely. And I think he paints a pretty realistic picture here, doesn't he? Um, I think he describes a scenario that probably is pretty common today. Um, I'm sure we see this play out in TV and movies, and I'm sure in um, in life, right, that this is a fairly realistic picture. 
And uh, I think it, it's an encouragement to not get caught up in the moment, to not be uh, simple-minded about these things, but to be on the lookout, right? And not to let yourself get caught up into something that in the moment is probably pretty enticing. As Jane says, tempting, right? But but how devastating it can be, right? The devil never tells you on the front end, hey, this is going to be really bad for you. Um, no, he makes it look good and enticing. And only, of course, after you fall into such a sin uh, does the damage happen. Any other... Uh, anybody Was anybody thinking of Joseph in verses 14 through 20? Anybody thinking of Joseph when he was uh, working for Potiphar? Potiphar, right? And I think that is, again is, is a realistic situation uh, that people can find themselves in in this world. So that makes it, a, a, I think, a, an effective illustration as well. Any other thoughts or questions on that one? Uh, how about number three here? What foolish thing did the young man do that contributed? to his temptation. And, and, and yeah, the, the guy here is not off the hook, by the way. Um, you know, it's addressed to the adulterous woman or it's a, it's a warning against her. And certainly she's the active party here, but, but in no way or by no means is the young man off the hook here. Uh, how did he contribute to the temptation. Yeah, all of you are on this one. I, he, he, time and place, right? Time and place. Um, walked right by our house. It is at night. Um, and Judy, that's an interesting insight. She was prepared, so he must have done this frequently. Uh, again, you, you go back to chapter six, playing with fire, right? Solomon said, don't do that. Uh, football coach always used to say nothing good happens after midnight, right? His idea was time and place. Um, you're only going to get yourself into trouble uh, at certain times of the day or night, uh, whatever. And that's that's the idea here with the young man. He did not um, help himself by keeping himself out of a tough situation. Yeah, Joel, that's well said. Um well said. It's certainly a blessing if you follow the user's guide, right, between uh, husband and wife. Uh, but, man, it can cause a lot of damage. Um, and in our society, it's really, there's no restraint, right? In our society, um, it's almost encouraged to to be out of control here. And, and you're right, Marge. He did listen, right? He, he didn't, he listened to what she had to say. He didn't shut it down. Um, so he did not put up much of a fight here. All right, good good stuff. Anything else on chapter 7? Anything else on chapter 7? Oh, Melissa, that's good insight. Um, use some religious trappings to lure him in. Um, yeah, she had a way of um, selling it to... Sorry, I thought I was going to sneeze. Um, she had a way of presenting it so it didn't look so bad, right? Uh, giving him an excuse to make, in a sense. Um, all right, anybody, any other thoughts here, Chapter 7? Otherwise, we're going to go to Chapter 8. Very much so, Judy, right? It's a two-way street. 
isn't it? Um, and I think, I, I mean, let's just, let's state what it is. I, I think men are tempted in, in certain ways that are different than perhaps women are tempted. Um, but, but women, oh yeah, but in your case, they're the men, they're, they can often be very guilty of the same thing. So we need to, need to warn both, right? We need to warn both. Absolutely. All right. Let's go to chapter eight. Wisdom. Wisdom calls out to us. Um, so it starts off with some rhetorical questions there in the first couple of verses. And then a little bit later on in the chapter, we get to question one here. In this world, corruption, vice, and injustice run rampant. That's some of the characteristics of wisdom. So we're looking especially at verses six through nine and verses 12 through 21. You're not going to name them all individually, but just maybe give us your favorite, uh, your favorite characteristic of wisdom from this chapter. Uh, what, uh, what sticks out? What do you like? What, what do you appreciate here about wisdom? So the Myers like the fact that wisdom speaks the truth. Uh, and that's a rare thing. That's a rare thing nowadays. Truth is hard to come by. Uh, so to know that we have it in God's wisdom, it, that, that's worth its weight in gold, right? That, that is valuable. And Phil says more precious than gold and rubies and silver. So the value of wisdom. And isn't that something? It, it, it's free. I mean, most people will give you a Bible. Um, oh, boy, you can buy it pretty pretty cheaply. Um, but that just the value that is there, um, you, you can't put a, a price tag on it. Melissa says it's not hard to find, right? It's not hard to find. Um, it's there in the word. You just got to look look for it. Go seek it. Um, Marge says it, it hates pride and arrogance. Yeah, it's really the opposite, isn't it? Um, Wisdom is everything we aspire to be, right? Not prideful, not arrogant, but maybe humble and kind and gentle. Jane says it, it brings sound judgment. And boy, yeah, that's the truth. You know, she says there's so many bad choices out there that can be made in this world. And wisdom um, leads us the other way. So definitely a blessing there. Uh, Judy says she likes verse 2. Um that when we're at a crossroads, um, wisdom helps us make a stand. Wisdom helps us choose a path. Um, wisdom helps us find the right way to go. Good. And it is about listening, Linda, isn't it? Um, if we want to grow in this wisdom and have this wisdom, we just need to listen. Um, it's not about us. We just need to listen to what God has to say. Yeah, I noticed that too there, Ron and Joan. The, the Gideon Bibles, and I don't know if that's a result of the new, the latest, latest trends, you know, in the world with political correctness and, and all the other stuff we're dealing with. Um, that's too bad, but I'm sure that has to do with some of the, the social movements that have been happening lately. Flip side of that is you everybody can get it for free on, on an app on their phone too. So again, it's easy to find as as I think Melissa said earlier, but yeah, that's it's sad to see that go. 
Uh, Phil says, loving those that love me, uh, those who seek me, find me. Yeah, that's a nice uh, comforting passage there describing wisdom. And he says, everybody stole them with the towels. Yeah, if, if only that were the case, right? If only that were the case. All right, anybody else on question one here from chapter eight? I'm just going to look through my, my notes here. I think you hit most of them here, just the idea of understanding and, and counsel and guidance. Um, so many people in this world are looking for that, and, and wisdom gives it. <clears throat> All right, number two, is our biggest problem in life to know what is right or to do what is right? Um, explain that. And I'm especially asking you to look... Um, well, I guess anywhere in this section. Um, but is our biggest problem in life knowing what is right or doing what is right? Joanne says, not difficult to know what is right, but more difficult to do. Linda says, do. Everybody so, everybody so far is saying doing is, is more difficult. I'm guessing we're all going to be in agreement on that. Uh, so talk about why why that is the case then. Um, Melissa says both. Okay. Uh, Judy says we can't do what is right if we lack knowledge of what is right. Okay. Um, so let me let me just maybe focus us in a little bit. Uh, I think for God's people, if we if we think of it as Christians, I, I think maybe that shades our answer here a little bit, right? Um, Joel says our con yep, conscience helps us out here, right? Conscience helps us know right from wrong. Margie, it, it sounds to me like you're reading Romans 7, right? Um, we're weak. Paul talks about that. We know the right thing. We just don't do it. Um, another one for do here, conscience and wisdom tell us we have to fight the devil and temptation and the world and our sinful flesh, all those things. Uh, there's a reason why it says the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Um, at least for Christians, I, I think we often know the right. Um, but the doing is is much more difficult. Um, and, and I think Solomon would say, and hopefully we're picking up on this, wisdom isn't just the knowing. Wisdom also involves doing, doesn't it? I mean, isn't that what he is saying here? Uh, as we go through these chapters, it's not just the knowing, but wisdom, we need to carry it out too. And Judy rightly reminds us that wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Um, a good thought there too, Phil, the, the active verbs there, the effort that this takes on our part. Um, all right, let's see here. Number three, real quickly, when did wisdom come into being that was before creation let's hit number four though sorry phil uh one of the ideas implicit in the theory of evolution is that our system of right and wrong and our system of morality as a whole evolved as human beings discovered what was right and wrong and established a sort of collective consciousness about wisdom and foolishness uh, how would you evaluate this idea from this section of Proverbs. You understand the question? Um, 
there are those who would theorize that we developed right and wrong as we evolved over history, morality. We kind of figured it out as we went along. Um, how would you evaluate this idea from this section of Proverbs? Hopefully that's a clear enough question. How would you evaluate based on this section of Proverbs? So the Kufal clan says that this wisdom of right and wrong existed before mankind. Okay. Yeah, scripture would back you up on that. Um, wisdom was there at the beginning, right? It, it didn't develop. Judy says, yeah, how could it evolve? It was there uh, before time. And finally, um, human experience doesn't produce wisdom. Wisdom comes from God, as the Myers say. It didn't evolve as man developed. Um, our human wisdom is sorely lacking. Um, <laughs> yeah, Joanne, I... Um, yeah, I, I'm not going to disagree. Um, oh, hi. Well, welcome back, Linda. I uh, invite the guests to join us next time. You're right, Melissa. Our wisdom is sorely limited, right, compared to the Lord's. The Lord's is not. It's infinite. It's eternal. Um, ours is entirely dependent on him. Yeah. Good. And that, that keeps popping up tonight. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And, and it such a good reminder. If we're going to have any hope at being wise, we need to start right there, um, as Joel just quoted from chapter one. All right, uh, let's see if we can get nine and ten in here. Um, so Proverbs 9, wisdom and folly are in a sense pitted against each other. They both beckon to us. Uh, and number one says, Phil's got it right there. Where is the house where we can find food and wine that wisdom offers? And what is the food and the drink that wisdom has to offer? This perhaps maybe is the, is an obvious question, although I feel like it's one I have to ask. Where do we find, where is the house? where we find spiritual food and drink that wisdom offers. What is this food and drink that wisdom has to offer? So it is, right? It is God's house, right? It is to be in God's house, to be in church, uh, to be where the word is, right? The food and drink, it's God's word. It's God's word. Um, Certainly, as New Testament Christians, we would throw the sacraments in there. Solomon didn't have those at the time. But God's word is the spiritual food um, that we need. Um, and I know, I know it's my job to tell you that, to be in church and to hear God's word. Um, I, and I don't know how many ways a pastor can say that, but, I mean, really, so much of life... I don't want to say is is easy or better, or, but when, when we're hearing the word regularly, whatever we face, um, we tend to get through it so much better when we are regularly hearing the word. 
All right, uh, let's hit question two here. In verses seven through nine, Solomon encourages us to be wise people, to listen to his instruction. Um, how do the wise and foolish differ here in how they listen to and accept wisdom? How do the wise and the foolish differ in the ways that they listen to and accept wisdom? Yes, Linda, you're right. Reading it on our own too, absolutely. I never, never want to discount that. Never want to discount that. So Solomon's contrasting here the wise and the foolish. And when it comes to listening to and accepting wisdom, how do they differ? How do they differ? All right, Judy says, wise people are open to correction and live righteous lives. I, I tell you, hey, Dave, good evening. Dave's got that too. The wise accept criticism. Um, Myers say it too in a similar way. The wise appreciate advice and, and correction. And I just have to say, I, I, I think it takes a certain level of spiritual maturity to be able to accept correction. That's hard for all of us, I think. Um, and that's something to strive for, that ability to accept correction, uh, rebuke. Um, and, and you're all hitting on this, right? That the wise will accept it, the foolish will not. And the wise people are going to learn from it. Um, and then Melissa says that the foolish, they're just going to insult and abuse, and, and they're not going to learn from any of that kind of stuff. Um uh, Betelovs, uh, Joe says that wise are eager to listen and learn. Love the one who tells them. Yeah, love the person who maybe gives me the hard truth. Um, that's a tough thing too, isn't it? Um, but there's love there for that person who who can let can tell it like it is. Ron and Joan say pride gets in the way again. Um yeah, that, that's that's really the hurdle here in a lot of these things. Um, and Pam talks about its rejection versus receiving. And um, only by the grace of God, of course, do we accept and believe. But the fool, the fool rejects. Yeah, good things. Good, good comments here. Anybody else? Anybody else on this one? Uh, and so what's the result of this then? The wise grow wiser still, don't they? And then the foolish, of course, if it's possible, this just can only get more foolish. Um, to he who has more is given, right? And to he who lacks, um, he, he how's the rest of that go? Uh, more is taken away. Um, so humble, humble attitude here on the wise and just a, an eagerness to to keep learning. Yeah, Joel, that's a good thought too. Uh, sometimes that skill is a learned skill or that, that trait is learned um, to see people who accept criticism humbly with grace. Yeah, that's, that's a person worth, I think, keeping an eye on. You're right, Jane. And it's, it's sometimes it does take us a while. 
Yep. And Linda, I would say too, you know, sometimes we maybe even have to show people how to do that. Sometimes we have to even show the neighbor. Well, here, here, let me show you where John is. Let me show you how to find a chapter and a verse, right? We don't be afraid to show people either. All right, let's conclude here with chapter 10 tonight. Good stuff. Anybody have anything else? Uh, chapter nine. Anybody else? Chapter nine. Yeah, Melissa, I, we just talked about that the other night um, at, a, at a meeting. And I think, especially nowadays, um, people who didn't grow up in a church have very, in general, not always the case, but in general, don't have a lot of Bible knowledge. And even as far as like how to operate and, and, and find their way through the Bible um, is a challenge for them. And, um, I think some of us take that for granted if we've had it our whole lives. And so we just need to be sensitive to that and be kind and, and patient and willing to help. Um, and that goes a long way. All right, chapter 10, Proverbs of Solomon. Verse 1, a wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. Um, just a little bit of introduction here on your page, it says from chapters 10 to 22, there are, get this, 375 individual two-line proverbs organized really in, in no particular order. Um, each stands alone. There's not a whole lot of connection with the one that goes before it or after it. Um, they do contrast wise and foolish, but just understand with, with that being the case, there's no way to hit on all of them. So I've got a few questions here. But if there's one in particular that strikes you, just, just speak up because um, there's so much here. We're not going to hit it all. Um, so question one, Phil's got it there. Uh, two ways we can feel about the behavior of our children. Um, and there's a kind of contrast, right? And you maybe, maybe you'll go back and forth between the two. But in general, um, the two ways we can feel about our, the behavior of our kids is either joy or grief, right? A joy to his father, grief to his mother. Um, and it doesn't mean mom can't be happy. Again, that's just kind of a, a literary thing. The the way these verses are, are written, it's just contrast. Um, so it's not saying dad's happy and mom's not or vice versa. Um, just kind of a literary thing. And the child, right, should strive to um, to bring the joy but avoid the grief, right? That should be the, the child's goal. Um, all right, so I'm just hitting on a couple thoughts here. Question two says to look at verse 4 and 26. They talk about diligence and laziness. And if you look at verse 26, um, what's the point of the – What's the point of that picture there? As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so are sluggards to those who send them. What's the point of that one? What's the point of that one? Linda, that's absolutely true. Um, and sometimes rightly and sometimes not. Um, and it, it ought to, Judy, right? As we see, I tell you, um, some of the coolest things are to see your kids 
um, carry out and practice their faith and, and use their, their God-given abilities, that there's joy there for sure. Um, what are those... What are, what are the point? What's the point there with those odd or interesting pictures there in verse twenty six? Vinegar to the teeth, smoke to the eyes. Ah, that's interesting, Joel. Um, I, I guess I would agree with that. I think um, having all brothers and then a couple of boys of my own, I think. Um, yeah, I would I would agree with that. Good insight there. Anybody else on on question two here? Vinegar on the teeth. I don't think I, I even have a feel for what that would be like, but I definitely get the smoke in the eyes. Uh, Melissa says it's just a nuisance, right? It's unpleasant. It's annoying. And so, in other words, Solomon is saying, "Hey, don't be lazy, right? Do do." Carry out re your responsibilities. Um, do the things that you are asked to do. Take care of your tasks. Um, don't irritate your boss, your parents, whoever, right? Be, be diligent. Get your stuff done the way it ought to be done. Uh, yeah, Phil, I've heard that a lot. Um, and I wonder if each generation says that. I don't know. I don't recall hearing that from other generations, but I'm sure hearing that a lot as well. Judy, that's an interesting uh, stat there. I don't know that I was aware of that. Wisdom is mentioned 42 times and discipline 30 times in Proverbs. Interesting. There's definitely a correlation there, isn't there? So clearly the right and the wrong is something God lays out for us. Thank you for that. Uh, number three, Solomon often speaks about the speech of the righteous and the wicked. What do you picture in your mind when you read verse 8? What do you picture in your mind when you read verse 8? So again, just kind of jumping around a little bit here. Um, so verse 8, uh, Phil's got it there. The wise in the heart accept commands, but a chattering fool comes to ruin. Any thoughts here? So what picture did you have in mind? And <laughs> as somebody who teaches catechism, I maybe have one in my mind, but I'll let you guys go. So Melissa says, uh, makes her think of people who talk a, a big talk, but there's no follow through. Okay. Yeah, I think that that fits well. Um, all talk and no action. And and Phil's backing you up there, Melissa. One thing to say it, another to do it. Um, Jane says, chattering fool, making all kinds of excuses, but not doing things. Um, Pam just says, be a listener. Be a good listener. Yeah, yep. Yeah, ruin takes a while, uh, Linda, right? This isn't necessarily instantaneous, right? That can take a while. Judy, yeah, two years, one mouth for a reason, right? That's good insight there too, Joel. Our sinful nature wants to justify. It doesn't want to listen to what God has to say. 
Um, I, I think verse eight, the wise in heart accept commands. Um, so if you picture a classroom and Jesus is in front giving you his word, are you listening and paying attention or are you in the back chattering away and, and talking and not paying attention, right? That's the image that comes into my head, but just again, just because I'm in the classroom. Um, but I, I like what you guys have said here. Um, it really makes the point. Lastly, at least the last one I'm going to ask is verse 12. Uh, Dave says, the person who sincerely seeks wisdom is teachable. He recognizes he doesn't know everything about everything. He longs for good counsel. That is well said, Dave. Um, recognize, and that's hard too, right? He recognizes he doesn't know everything about everything. Um, man, and, and perhaps another quality there that comes with some spiritual maturity. Um, we need to know that about ourselves. Maybe a similar idea there would be coachable. Um, uh, we have, again, kids trying out for sports right now and, that's kind of some of the advice we've been trying to give. Just, just be coachable because um, that's huge. That willingness to learn needs to be there. Good. Thank you for that. Um, Phil's got last question there. Have you experienced the truth of verse 12? And, and a, that's a bad question. It should maybe say, how have you experienced the truth of verse 12? You really shouldn't ask a yes or no question in a discussion like this. Um, so take a look at verse 12. I'm going to assume we've all experienced it. Maybe a better question would be, um, is there an experience you can share or is there a situation you can recall uh, and maybe share something you learned from that situation? Um, or maybe just good practical advice for somebody else in life, how, how would you apply verse 12 to your life or to the lives of the people that you know? Again, I'm going to assume we've all experienced that. Kind of a, not the best question to end on, but hopefully you get it here. Uh, Ron and Joan have a great example. Listening to all of the political ads, so much hatred, dissension. I can't even, like, I, I turn the TV off. I can't. I can't do it. I can't listen to them. And it doesn't matter which side. If it's on the radio, I change the channel. I just, because you're right, all it is is attacking. It has nothing to do with uh, what they want to do. It's all about the other person. And I just, yeah, I, I can't, can't listen to that. So that's a good example. Linda talks about hatred. It's out there, right? Wow, Pam, thank you. Um, she says when she's had a bad feeling about someone, she asks the Lord to soften her heart, help her love like he loves. That is a, but man, there has been, the comments tonight, just a whole lot of spiritual maturity, asking us to, to love like he does, uh, not necessarily because I want to, but because he wants me to. Um, good. Thank you for that. Ah, Judy, ah, oh man, you would talk about swallowing your pride, um, overlooking and forgiving the sin uh, to be able to move forward. Yeah. Phil says, talking about coveting or, or looking at our neighbor as our measuring stick versus Jesus. Um, 
Yeah, and so we perhaps maybe hate the neighbor rather than love the neighbor because, you know, the neighbor has things we don't have. Um, yeah, a lot of good stuff here tonight. Uh, good good insights. Um, anybody else? Chapter 12. What are some things that flow from hatred that stir up the conflict? Uh, gossip. Right, stuff like that. Um, spreading rumors, seeking revenge, right? All those things stir up conflict. Um, but love covers over wrongs. And some of you gave some examples there, Jane and Judy, about forgiving and love. You, you maybe didn't even fully, finally resolve the thing the way you wanted to, but um, Christian love covers over all kinds of wrongs. Good. Anything else from chapter 10? Anything else from chapter 10? Really appreciate it. It's always good. Um, don't get me wrong, but just um, really good discussion tonight. I was really, really appreciated um, all the comments tonight. Just really good stuff. Dave says, revenge seeking never comes to a good end. It only multiplies anger and, and escalates. Yeah, it never ends well. Never ends well for sure. Good. Anybody else have any insights here? Any thoughts to share? Chapter 10. Good turnout tonight too. Uh, good numbers here. Uh, good to see. So um, we're going to be hitting Proverbs 11 through I think 15 for next week. Uh, 14 or 15. You should have you should have the worksheet already. Um, Joe says, when I talk to someone who has a totally opposite idea like I do, I think of both of us standing before God and we're both equal. Yeah, so important. If we can see people the way God does, we're gonna we're gonna have such an easier time, right? To love them, um, as Solomon talks about here in verse 12. All right, good conversation, everybody. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this hour, and um, we'll keep going with Proverbs. I, as I said at the beginning, I'm going to try to get out a schedule for the fall next week because I know there are a few nights when I'm going to hopefully be at a sporting event for the kids. Um, so I will try to get that out. And uh, let's just plan for next week. We'll get that email out and we'll keep going here in Proverbs. I think we got three or four more weeks of this. So um, I'm enjoying it. Join in and I hope you are too. And you're welcome. And I, I really enjoy this hour. You guys, you guys give me so much um, blessings on the rest of your night. And we will see you hopefully this week. If not, we'll see you next, next Tuesday. Um, night, everybody. God bless. Thank you. Yeah, Judy, it was good to see you too. That was a nice, nice surprise. All right, everybody, I'm going to sign off. So God bless. Have a great night. We'll see you soon.